The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. Glad you could join me today. And we're starting a very interesting series uh, called It's Not There. It's Not There. I'm conscious of the brevity of time and the fact that uh, we have but one life to live. And we ought to be doing all that we can to maximize uh, our time uh, that God has allotted to us. And oftentimes we, we make poor use of the opportunities that are before us. But what I'm thinking about is uh, what I've seen sometimes when I peruse the internet And uh, there are a myriad of systems and approaches and novel ideas that are in the, um, the, uh, if you will, the ether, in the space, in the uh, community chat rooms and so forth. And and folks are purporting uh, a new approach to some new discovery. But in truth and in fact, all of the uh, discoveries, all of the novel ways that we want to bring significance to people's lives, uh, ideally are bound up and find their source in a living God. And it seems to be uh, an outdated notion in the 21st century. And uh, a lot of folks have relegated the pursuit of God, the pursuit of knowing God in a very uh, dynamic, uh, for lack of a better word, interactive way. That pursuit has been relegated to um, uh, a secondary role. And folks have tried to sort of devise their own way of finding significance. My view is a little different, and I thought it would be good to set our focus on what really matters. Where are we looking? And and this is near and dear to my heart, because as a young Christian, I wanted to know if the God of the Scriptures, the God who reveals himself in holy writ, if he is as he reveals himself to be. And I'm thankful for the experiences that I have had that have confirmed to me that ultimately this is the primary objective of anyone's life. So we're going to look at a a few experiences in the life of of, uh, some individuals in scriptures and really drill down to what is essential. I 
you know, if you heard that you have six months to live, how would you live? What would you do differently? Well, these conversations are targeting that very objective. If we were to look at the Second Chronicles, uh, chapters 14 and 15, it is about the life of King Asa. And uh, King Asa, at one point in his reign, was uh, um, called upon to battle with the Ethiopians, Zira, the Ethiopian. And he was outmanned almost two to one. Zira had uh, a million-man army, and in addition to that, he had 300 chariots. And King Asa had about 580,000 foot soldiers. Of course, they were skilled in, in other forms of battle, but at the end of the day, they were still foot soldiers. <clears throat> and um, uh, King Asa cried out to Jehovah uh, in the 14th chapter, and he says that, uh, he says, you know, told Jehovah that we are relying on you. We're looking to you. We are looking to you. Whether we have many or few, we're looking to you. And then he said this, you know, don't let men prevail against you. So King Asa's focus was really on the living God of Israel. And, you know, when the chips were down, when, 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 you know, sometimes people will ask, is this the hill that you're willing to die on? Meaning, is this the cause that you're going to devote your, your entire life to? Because now you need to know, is it valid? And they wrought a great victory through God's intervention. And as a result of that, we fast forward to chapter 15, and the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, uh, the son of Obed, uh, essentially, he was a prophet, and, and he went and he uh, conversed with uh, King Asa. And he said this, I want you to pay attention. He said, Jehovah is with you while you are with him. Jehovah is with you while you are with him. So here is the question I have for you. What is the secret of the spiritual life, Really? What is the most essential element that transforms a person's life? What is it? I'll ask a corresponding question. What are you seeking? What are you really seeking? You term yourself as a disciple, a follower, a believer in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, you say to yourself, well, I believe in God. I believe in God. But is that all there is to it? Has your life been different as a result of this belief? Because the prophet is saying to the man of God, to the king, Jehovah is with you while you are with him. So his presence and the awareness of his presence is predicated on your devotion, your commitment, your seeking him, his presence, with singleness of heart and mind. Jehovah is with you while you are with him. 
And therein lies the beginning of the secret of growth and prosperity in spiritual things, in the spiritual life, in one's walk with God. I'm with you if you're with me. And we know that you know there are mysteries in this universe that belong to God because he created the universe and all the mysteries and the laws that are embedded in nature. And what people are doing is trying to find a way to tap into these mysteries, these laws, if you will. And, you know, there's a law of attraction and there are various other laws. And people are trying to show that, you know, there's a, a living universe out there. And, and, you know, they'll make statements like, you know, you're going to put it out in the universe. As though the universe in and of itself has a mind of its own. My dear friends, it is a living God that stands behind, that governs, that controls by the word of his power, by his might, this entire universe. And therefore, the purpose of one's life ought not to be to tap into a mystery, a law, but in seeking the living God for who he is. Seeking the living God. Jehovah is with you while you are with him. And, and here's, here's the, the, the essence of this specific thought. That God can be known. People's search is for some quest in life. Something with meaning. But the notion of who God is and his involvement is extricated from this package of their pursuit. I want what life has to offer, but without the notion of God in it. And you will never, ever have fullness of life, purpose, meaning. You'll never see the hand of God working actively in your life. Now, let me just caution you here. People will say, well, I've been blessed. God blesses because it is who he is by nature. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. So you cannot conclude that because I have blessing in my life, well, God is with me. No, because he says, Jehovah is with you while you are with him. So the question is, are you with God? Are there times devoted, set apart in your life, in your day, when you, in an act of faith and devotion and love, is seeking the face of God in a quiet, sacred, secret place? The universe and all that's in it, all creation, belongs to him. And if we tap into the laws of the universe and embrace it and try to do so without pursuing the creator himself, we will live a substandard spiritual life. Now, he may allow this. He may allow us to pursue secondary interests but he will hide himself from us. He will hide himself. Jehovah is with you while you 
are with him. In fact, in, in the book of James, in the first chapter, James says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. The giving and the gift originates with him. And if I were to pursue some uh, uh, novel way, some attraction, some law in the universe, some new discovery that I'm seeking to tap into apart from touching the hand of the one that governs the universe, I have set myself to pursue something that is not God, that's not living, that cannot respond. And it's just as though when we meet a person for the first time and we, we, we foster a friendship, we invest time to know this person, to find out about this person's interests and their abilities and you know, what do they do for a living and all of you know, the sundry facts that make them who they are. Well, this is the purpose of the spiritual pursuit. It is a pursuit of God. It is a desire to know the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God whose heart was moved with compassion and love to send his Son into a world that was cursed and touched the hearts and lives of men, setting them free to know him. And so I say to you just this once, I challenge you, 60 days in your life. Give the next 60 days to pursue not a method, not a novel idea, but to pursue the living God, to set apart time as one searches the scriptures, to see how God reveals himself and set your heart to know him. Tell him, I am here to know you. Closely related to that, in fact, as the man of God was speaking to King Asa, he spoke of the nation of Israel, and he said that in their time of trouble, they turned to Jehovah, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found of them. Now, we may take it for granted, but these are divine assurances given by the Spirit of God. That if a human being seeks to know the living God, you'll find him. We are told in the scriptures that God is a very present help in time of trouble. In another uh, scripture, Psalm 50, he says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. God can be known. God can be found. However, as he said to King Asa, <laughs> God is with you while you are with him. And he is not going to commit himself to reveal himself to you until you commit yourself to seek him above all things. And so in, 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 as, as uh, uh, the prophet uh, Azariah speaks to King Asa, he points him back to the experience of the nation of Israel. So there, here are a group of people that sought the living God, and they found him. So you know what that tells me, okay? He is discoverable. <laughs> 
Others have proven in their experience that he can be found. And how different would be your life if you devoted the next 60 days to pursue nothing else but with singleness of heart to be in the presence of God, to present your petitions, to worship his holiness, to seek to know him and express to him your earnest desire to walk with him. They sought him in their time of trouble. Okay? And we are told he was found of them. This is key. He was found of them. Often when I, as I mentioned earlier, as I peruse the uh, internet, uh, you know, I ask myself, how much of God are these dear folks finding? They're seeking a method, a way, an idea, a notion, while extracting (laughs) the very germ, the very core of the spiritual pursuit, extracting the living God from the equation. And so we have evidence here they found him. And it was tumultuous times as we uh, were to read the rest of the the dialogue between this man of God, Azariah, and the king. And we are told in in verse 6 of of, of 2 Chronicles 15 that God disturbed them with distresses. Now, this might be a hard uh, notion to wrap our minds around, but yes, sometimes God unsettles the waters of our lives so that we would ask ourselves, redouble our efforts, rekindle our affections. For God. And to remind us that life in and of itself, the, the purpose of life is not found in things, in the pursuit of transient things. The evidence was in the life of a nation that they found God. So, I can step out on the strength of this assertion that if I pursue the living God with all my heart, I'll find him. Now I want to give you a second caution. This this pursuit of God is testable. It can be proven in the laboratory of one's life. It's not a pursuit of one's goals, of one's interests, of some intellectual uh, pursuit. No. It is a stepping out by faith that if I, with heart and mind and intellect and will, set my heart to know and learn of God, learn of his ways, invite him to Uh, if you will, permeate all of the areas of my life that I might see, as it were, the fingerprint of God in my life. I'll find him. This is the assurance given to the devotee of our Lord Jesus Christ. I will find him. But lastly, this is not without price. 
Okay? This is not without price. <clears throat> As the dialogue evolved between uh, the prophet Azariah and King Asa, we are told in verse 8 that when Asa heard these words and the words of the prophecy, he took courage and he put away the abominations out of the land of Judah and Benjamin. Now this, this is where it, it, it gets a, a bit prickly, if you will. <laughs> you see, very often people, Christians, seek after God with an unwillingness to part with the very things that God finds displeasing. And the net result of that is that he will not reveal himself to us. It's not going to happen. You may try, but I assure you, it will not happen. And in verse 8, Asa was encouraged. He realized that to pursue God, he is going to have to do what needs to be done. And those things that God has revealed in, uh, as a matter of his will, that these things are displeasing to me. I find them to be an abomination. They are hateful to me. Asa aligned himself with God to love what God loves, to hate what God hates, and it says he put away the things out of the land, the very things that God hates. And I'm going to say to you, dare to examine your life. Look at your life. Look at your relationships. Look at the practices. Look at the thinking. Look at the affections. Look at the motives. And ask yourself, if the indwelling Spirit of God takes pleasure in what you take pleasure in. It might be an attitude, a disposition, a mindset. I don't know. I can't speak for you. I can only speak for me. But King Asa knew instinctively what those things were that displeased the heart and mind and person of the living God himself. And I'm going to tell you, I believe you know as well, as I do. Why? Because we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. He has made our mortal bodies his shrine, his temple, his sacred dwelling place. And we know instinctively what pleases him and what displeases him. But what we have attempted to do is to make God our pursuit without relinquishing the very things that we know are displeasing to him. And I want to say that to be bold, to be courageous, to put our finger on the very thing that God finds unpleasant is to elicit the pushback of those near and dear to us. We will find ourselves standing alone. 
we are faced with a choice. We can stay with the status quo, make no changes, but we'll never find God. We'll never know his presence. We will never know the consistency of answers to prayer. We will never know the sense of divine nearness. We'll never know it. It won't be our privilege. We are told in the scripture, in the form of a question, can two walk together unless they be agreed? I have a dear friend of several decades. And in so many ways, perhaps as many as I can think, we are in agreement. We share the same values. We love the same things. And there's a a mutual appreciation for each other. And thus it should be with the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, if you turn with the full assurance of faith, turn to God, you must be prepared to do away, whether it be in the form of entertainment, substances, perhaps certain friendships, practices, motives, manner of living, manner of speaking. I don't know what it is. But you will have to make that assessment. I want to know in this life that God is with me. And there's a a related action to putting away the things that displeases God. Because we are told later on In the same dialogue, not only did he take courage to put away the abomination out of the land, but they renewed the altar. You see, the spiritual life is simple. It necessitates two things. A renewed altar, that is, a place, a sacred place, a sacred time, a a covenanting to know and commune with God, that's the first and a putting away of those things that the Spirit of God finds unpleasant, displeasing, grieving, quenching. A renewal of the altar and a putting away of those things that are not His will. It's really very simple. God is with you while you are with Him. And while you and I are with Him, I cannot clutch the very things that he finds distasteful and expect that I would know the power and grace of his presence. It won't happen. And so Asa renewed the altar, the sacred place. And this is what I I find was rather interesting. We are told that he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. They fell away to him out of Israel in abundance. His life had impact. And this is a critical factor in seeking God. I cannot expect to influence people by an act of my will. 
the influence of my life becomes, uh, it begins to permeate my social circles as the Spirit of God has free reign in my life and heart. As I am filled with his presence, with his grace, he begins to work in my life to affect others. We can't affect people by our uh, savvy ways, our bright personalities. A significant influence comes upon people as they see and sense that God is with us. But to arrive at that end point, Asa was told, God is with you while you are with him. And in order to have that ongoing day-by-day, week-by-week life of communing with God, it necessitates two great steps. A putting away out of one's life of the very things that I know instinctively as well as as it is revealed in the scriptures, the things that displease God, I am willing and committed to doing something about it, to removing them. And secondly, a renewing of time alone with God. This is the most important pursuit in any human being's life. God with me while I am with him. Anything other than that is to pursue vanity, chasing the wind. And sad to say, people are spending their lives chasing the wind. My friend, I gave you a challenge earlier, and I would remind you of that challenge. 60 days, two months, committed to seeking God with all your heart. Let him know, I want to know you. I want to walk with you, as Enoch did. I want your grace, presence, and power in my life. And I am willing to put away practices, attitudes, ways of thinking if necessary. Change of friends if that's what it comes down to. That I might know him. In fact, Paul said that as he wrote to the church at Philippi. That I might know him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. He wanted to know the very power that raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. I want to know that power in my life to walk with God. But I also know that to have him, it's going to cost me something. I'm going to suffer, but I'm prepared. As long as I know that God is with me, that I'm filled with the, the presence and grace of the Spirit of God, and that my life has purpose, meaning, 
and even value to others. Oh, my friend, we often come and meet beside still waters, but all that is is the moment when I devote my time, my heart, my resources to knowing the living God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God help each of us to make him his presence, his power, his grace to be our single most chief pursuit in this life. God help us to do so. Thank you for joining Besides Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Besides Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.